Chapter Twenty of The Boy Scouts' First Campfire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts' First Campfire by Herbert Carter. Chapter Twenty Drawing Straws for a Chance. At any rate, Bumpus was manly enough to do the right thing. He walked straight up to Stepan and held out his hand. I was a fool, and that's all there is about it, Stepan, he said frankly. Will you shake hands with me and excuse the blunder I made when I felt sure you had hooked the old bag just to bother me? Sure I will, Bumpus, said the other, gripping the fat hand extended so confidingly toward him and giving it a squeeze that brought tears to the eyes of poor Bumpus. And after all, I don't hardly blame you for thinking I had a hand in getting away with the bag, because you know I've wanted to look through it this long time. Don't you think you might let me have it now, Bumpus? But I tell you I haven't got anything that belongs to you, Stepan, and you ought to believe me, protested the fat boy firmly. Stepan looked at him queerly as though he might be still a little undecided. Then, with a sigh, he turned away, and Bumpus knew that he had not been convinced. Here, you can tumble out everything I've got in the haversack if you want to, Stepan, added the other, giving in finally. Never mind, I take your word it ain't there, said the other over his shoulder. But somehow Bumpus knew that the feeling of suspicion was only scotched, not killed and that Stepan fancied that he, Bumpus, had only changed the hiding-place of the lost compass. Thad had considerable to think about as he sat there, looking into the fire and listening to the talk that was going the rounds. His mind was fixed upon the mystery that seemed to be hovering over the island, and in various ways he found himself trying to connect the coming of the two men and the bear with the presence of those tracks across on the wooded territory beyond the water. He even got up and went across to the other side of the fire to stoop down and examine the plain footprints left by their late guest. Then he shook his head as though the result failed to tell him what he sought. To make absolutely sure, he took a pine knot that had been thrust into the fire and, using this as a torch, made his way to the tree where the bear had been chained ever since coming among them. It was no great task to discover the imprint made by the heavy shoes worn by the Russian. They were marked all around by hobnails, such as are used by the lower classes across the water, in order to save the leather soles, for leather costs more money than a few nails. Apparently Thad found little satisfaction in his labors, for he was frowning when he returned to the circle. Not the same parties, eh, Thad? asked Davy who had kept a wondering eye on the movements of the young scoutmaster, and could give a shrewd guess as to the reason for his action, as well as the disappointing result. "'I'm dead sure of that,' replied Thad. "'Different shoes make different trails, eh?' went on Davy. "'Oh,' Thad replied quietly, but conclusively, "'that spluttering foreigner has hobnails in his soles, and I saw none like that over on the island.' and this other man wears a shoe with a square toe, but pretty good material in it. There was no print like that either. Well, then that proves them innocent, don't it? 
asked Smithy. For my part now, fellows, I rather took to that man who sat here and drank his coffee. He's no hobo, I give you my word. His hands may look soiled, but under it all they're decent enough to belong to a gentleman. Hey, listen to Smithy, would you? exclaimed Stepan, as if surprised. Now, I never knew he had such a way of figuring out things. If he keeps on like that, he'll leave us all in the lurch, fellows. To tell the truth, admitted the other, smilingly, time was when I wouldn't have thought of noticing a single thing about such a man. But you see, I've been studying up the rules and suggestions our scoutmaster loaned me, and it keeps on telling greenhorns and tenderfeet to always be on the lookout so as to remember what they see. And when he sat there, I just thought it would be a fine chance to make a mental note of anything queer about him I could detect. Good for you, number five, said Thad warmly. I said you were going to make your mark yet, once you got into the fever of things, and already you're proving a credit to the Silver Fox Patrol. Then you saw the same things, did you, Thad? asked Smithy eagerly, and with a really happy look on his delicate face, because this practice of doing things was a new experience for him, and success made him feel proud indeed. Partly so, though you went me one better when you made out that his hands were white under the grime, answered the scoutmaster. That sounds like you think he took on all that dirt on purpose, remarked Bumpus. Perhaps he did, replied Thad. Perhaps the man's playing some sort of a part, for a reason of his own. Bunking with an ignorant foreigner, just to get a chance to sneak into camps, and run off with the haversacks that have been carelessly left lying around loose, suggested Stepan, still harping on his wrongs. Well, I don't agree with you there, Stepan, remarked Allen. Like Smithy here, I found something about that man that interested me. If asked me point-blank now, possibly I couldn't tell you what it was that attracted me, his eyes, his smile, or his whole manner but I'd be badly mistaken if he'd turn out to be a rascal. And I say the same, observed Thad vigorously. Oh, well, you fellows might be right, remarked Giraffe, but to my mind there's something mighty suspicious about the way they came snooping around here. I reckon that party might know more about how certain kinds of wild game find their way to the New York hotels in the closed season than he'd like to own up to. And I tell you right now what I mean to do. Go on. We all want to know, urged Thad. While I'm up here, Giraffe continued loftily, I expect to keep my eyes open to find evidence of traps and snares set in the woods to catch partridges, rabbits, and the like. And sometime, if anybody wants to paddle for me, I'm a-going to go all the way around this here lake, looking for nets set to haul in the game bass. You ought to be wearing the badge of a game warden, Giraffe declared Davy, with a mock bow in the direction of the speaker. But they'd have to watch you right smart now, because some of that game would go to keep you from starving. They continued to talk until a late hour, and every boy was given a chance to air his opinion. Still, no wonderfully new ideas seemed to be in evidence. And when the patrol sought the blankets, leaving the campfire dying down, they were about evenly divided on the question as to whether the educated tramp keeping company with the foreign owner of the bear was a smart man or just a scamp. But a night of peace followed all these thrills. The skies above showed no sign of storm, 
and from the neighboring forest there issued no more bears or any other savage beast to raid the camp and produce another mad scamper of the scouts to places of refuge among the branches of friendly trees once or twice allan came out to take a look around it seems to be the habit of all old campers to do this whenever they happen to awaken not that he suspected that there would be any peril hovering around but then possibly the fire might have worked its way through a line of dead grass and threatened to extend or it perhaps needed another small log to keep the blaze going and ward off the chill of the night over the water came a weird cry at the time allan last performed this vigil and the main boy smiled as he listened for a repetition because it was a familiar sound in his ears and reminded him of his former home further north was that a loon allan asked a quiet voice near him and turning the main boy saw the acting scoutmaster poking his head out from under the canvas of the second tent just what it was thad replied the other when the last speaker crawled out to join him i think he must have just dropped down here for i heard a splash before he gave tongue and we know there wasn't any such bird around up to sunset if any of the others wake up and hear that cry they'll think it's the ghost of the island sure as it was too cool to sit around with such a scanty amount of clothes on both scouts soon vanished again the fish were jumping as on the previous night and in the eastern sky the battered old moon had thrust her remnant of a circle above the horizon for a little peep at the world below morning came along in due time and of course the usual swim was first in order giraffe was apparently in high spirits the others saw him taking stock of what stores they had left and evidently the big eater found that there would be an abundance to see them through that sort of thing always pleased giraffe he was gloomy only when he feared for the worst and in his mind that consisted of short rations after breakfast the question came up as to which one of the other scouts thad was to take with him as he had stated he would do in order to be quite fair and keep the others from feeling that any favoritism had been shown thad took a number of short blades of grass each of a different length these he mixed up in his hand so that no one could know which was the long and which the short ones then he invited the boys with the exception of the second-in-command allen to draw as they pleased the shortest draw to win out of course there was more or less joking as the operation was carried out for boys can hardly do so simple a thing as draw lots without a certain amount of fun being injected into the game now the last belongs to smithy because he didn't draw said thad hold up the one you got bumpus and see if you go along with me bumpus actually shook a little when he compared his straw and finding that it was longer than the other he laughed with glee that island did not have much drawing power for bumpus in fact he hoped never to set foot on it again each one tried to show that he had a shorter straw than the one that fell to smithy but without success it's smithy who goes observed thad and possibly he looked pleased 
for he was beginning to take a great interest in the boy who had been wrongly raised by his mother and maiden aunts to be what is known as a sissy, and hoped to see him turn out to be a manly, self-reliant, and brave scout. End of chapter 20